1: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
0: From KQED. Hey, everyone. Olivia Allen Price here. You're listening to a Bay Curious lightning round where we answer several of your questions. Now, oftentimes when a listener sends a question our way, it's about something that they've noticed while out and about. But this week, we're starting with a question that comes from inside someone's house.
1: So our house is what was probably the cookie-cutter bungalow of the early 20th century.
0: This is Adam Eats. He lives in Oakland in a house that was built in 1910.
1: There's kind of three bay windows in the front. It's a single story, but the front door is up a flight of stairs.
0: And under those stairs, taking over the entire ground floor of the home, is a sort of above-ground basement. The one in Adams' house didn't even have a floor when he moved in.
1: It was just the dirt, and then there was a foundation footing around the side.
0: This house design, where the entrance is on the second story, is one that you see over and over again on homes all over the Bay Area, from Victorians built in the 1880s to the Craftsmen's of the early 1900s. A lot of those ground floor spaces have been turned into garages, an observation made by a second listener who wrote in to Bay Curious.
2: Did people used to put horses and buggies in these garages? Did somebody, you know, roll their their buggy in?
0: (laughs) This is Jessica Califati. She lives in Washington, D.C. now, but used to live in Sacramento. When she would drive into San Francisco for work, she'd often find herself searching for a parking space, circling and circling and circling.
2: And there is nowhere to park your car because... (laughs) There are so many of these, you know, garages on, on the ground level.
0: Jessica and Adam have two takes on a very similar question.
2: Why do so many of the homes in San Francisco have garages on the bottom level when they were likely built before many people had cars?
1: Why did they build all of these houses where they're so commonly the main level of the house is, is basically a full story above the ground?
0: Today on Bay Curious, we'll hit the ground floor running on those questions, and then we'll answer one more. Why are the Bay Area's Victorians so colorful? Stick around for a Bay Curious lightning round. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org podcasts. And thanks. To answer Adam and Jessica's questions about the ground floor garages found on many old homes in the Bay Area, Catherine Monahan headed to a neighborhood that has a slew of them, San Francisco's Pacific Heights.
3: We're at the top of a hill with Victorian houses all around us. Facing north, the street plunges down to the harbor. Pamela Larson from San Francisco Heritage points down the hill and back in time.
4: All the ports are down there, and San Francisco was always the first port to the gold fields.
3: In the late 1800s, the port of San Francisco was teeming. Ships were bringing in lumber, coal, boots, Also blocks of ice the size of microwave ovens. This is before houses had refrigerators.
4: And so the ice is coming down from the northwest, typically Tahoe and even further north. You load it on your wagon, pack it full of sawdust and hay to keep it from melting,
3: and you're delivering it around the the neighborhood. Of course, you need a place to keep this ice, someplace cool like a basement. Milk is being
4: delivered daily, right? You want to keep your butter, um, your meat. So a lot of larders are in the basement because that's the coolest space in your house, right? So,
3: so somebody was fruit. also dropping off ice. Oh, yeah. Ice man, coal man, the vegetable man. So that's one purpose of these Victorian basements is storage, but there's more. The streets are full of horses and wagons delivering coal, fruit, meat. It's loud, and there's horse manure everywhere. People wanted their living areas up above street level, away from the muck and the stench, and away from the workers. Homes had separate entrances for deliveries along the plain side of the house, not the ornamented front side.
4: This is the servant's entrance. It's very
3: dark and narrow. Pamela takes us down a tight staircase into the basement of the Haas Lilienthal house, a grand Victorian built in 1886. Sure enough, there's a big open room down here, originally for storing food and coal and such. And there was another use for the ground floor that you might not expect, partying. Some houses had an entertainment room or even a ballroom in the basement, next to the ice and away from the living quarters. In the back, we find another purpose for this ground floor. It's a laundry room with big sinks and rug beaters and washboards. So you have to do laundry by hand.
4: So washboards are your way to get the stains out and get the the dirt out.
3: She says that back in the day in wealthier households, a laundry man would have lived down here, normally a Chinese man. This was the era of the Chinese Exclusion Act. Racism was a federal policy. There were few opportunities for Chinese workers, but laundry work was available because it was so hard.
4: This is his original coal-burning stove, but if you pick up these irons, that'll make it more clear to you when I talk about physical demanding. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) These are called sad irons, and I think we know why they're called sad irons. I
3: (laughs) I saw the 10, I was like, oh, it's 10 pounds, but that's more than 10 pounds. Yeah. The female servants, a very international crew, oftentimes speaking a bunch of different languages, lived on the top floor while the laundry man lived in the basement. Most of the staff here
4: uh, is female because women are cheaper
3: as they are today.
4: So, <laughs> these haven't changed. So their bedrooms are upstairs. So that's why he would be the only servants that would be downstairs. So genders had
3: to be separated. So these ground floors were originally used for the technology of the times, and in the middle and upper class households for the workers who used that technology. But then came a new technology. By the 1920s, cars were getting really popular in San Francisco. Coal heat was turning into gas heat and ice boxes into refrigerators. So new houses were built with garages for the cars. And the old Victorians? These are all
4: just wood-framed houses, right? They're not hooked to anything. They're just sitting on
3: a foundation, right? Pamela is pointing at a Victorian down the street that was lifted up and a garage built under it. And then the house was just set back down on top.
4: You're going to have a lot of people, right? You're going to use leverage. You're going to use pulleys, right? That's going to help relieve some of the weight of it. And you're just going to swing it, pick up, literally pick up the house.
3: Or if the ground floor was tall enough, you could just cut a driveway down to it and install a garage door leading to the old storage space. And that's why you see such steeply slanted driveways sometimes around the Bay Area. So that is why Adam's house has a big storage area for a ground floor and why Jessica can't find parking in San Francisco with all the garages. Who knows? Maybe these spaces will take on yet another use in the future when the next technology comes along.
0: That was reporter Catherine Monahan. Now let's turn our attention to the exterior of some of the oldest homes in the Bay Area. There are an estimated 40,000 Victorian-style houses in San Francisco alone and countless more throughout the region. Many are painted gorgeous bright hues, from hot pinks to greens to aquamarines. We got a question from a listener, Andrew Foster, who wanted to know, was it always that way? We asked Darren too, former Bay Curious intern and now Newsroom employee, to look into the backstory of our colorful homes. Hey, Darren, thanks for being on the show.
5: Hi, glad to be here.
0: Okay, so maybe this is a basic question, but before we get to colors, I'm curious, why are there so many Victorian homes in San Francisco in the first place? What can you tell us about that?
5: That's a great question to start off our story. Did you know that San Francisco had a big building boom around 1850, right in the middle of Queen Victoria's rule? So when British immigrants heard about the gold in California, they brought their Victorian sensibilities with them here.
0: That makes sense. People often want to recreate what they're used to when they arrive someplace new.
5: Exactly. So in the later part of the 1800s, a bunch of Victorian-style homes were built pretty quickly in the city. And when they first went up, their owners painted them in muted colors.
4: Typically, Victorians are painted a more natural-looking paint schemes. They were truly trying to mimic stone.
5: This is Pamela Larson from the nonprofit San Francisco Heritage, who we heard earlier in this episode. Pamela says the original Victorian homes were mostly painted white, but the window frames had simple colors like terracotta, black, and green. Back then, houses were made from material in the surrounding area, like redwood, while stone was expensive and luxurious. So you could say that with paint, Victorians wanted to make these homes look elevated, like stone.
4: Victorians love to fool the eye and make things look a lot more expensive and grander.
5: But eventually, all the houses started to look the same.
0: Classic problem. Everyone's so on trend that it gets boring.
5: Luckily, the solution was simple. Color! Towards the mid-1880s, the Victorians really went all out to be different and started painting their houses with louder colors, reds, yellows, oranges, Some even painted their roofs and ground floors differently, doing anything to stand out from each other and to follow trends.
0: Wow, so the style really did a 180.
5: In a way, yeah. But things went back the other way after the First World War broke out. A lot of shipbuilding was going on in the Bay Area, so there was a surplus of navy gray paint hanging around. The paint was cheap. Right after World War I, there was the Great Depression. That, paired with the cheap paint, pretty much meant Monochromatic gray took over all the Victorians in San Francisco.
0: So we've gone from white, which was meant to look like stone, to colorful, to differentiate from each other, and now to gray, because gray paint was cheap. But it's rare to see a gray Victorian today. So I'm assuming there's another turn in this saga.
5: Oh, yeah, there is. It came in the 60s and 70s when San Francisco became the center of countercultural lifestyles. We've all heard of hippies, right? Well, psychedelic colors started coming to fashion and they started showing up on houses too. This period was dubbed the colorist movement. Artists like Maya peoples Bright and Bob Buckter thought color could resurrect the city's iconic architecture and make it beautiful again. And ultimately, the colorist movement was more than just a fleeting trend. It brought attention to the city's heritage and made people want to preserve the historical character of its architecture.
0: It's pretty incredible that something as simple as paint and color could have such a vast history here in San Francisco. And so many twists and turns, quite frankly. Thanks for coming in, Darren. You're welcome. That's it for today. Thanks to reporters Catherine Monaghan and Darren Too for their reporting. Questions today came from Adam Eads, Jessica Calafati, and Andrew Foster. The February Bay Curious newsletter goes out next Wednesday, and we've got a roundup of waterfalls that you should absolutely get out there and see during this very rainy season. If you're not signed up, go get to it. We'll put a link in our show notes. Bay
2: Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED.
1: The show is made by Olivia Allen Price, Katrina Schwartz, Amanda Font, and Brendan Willard.
0: I'm Olivia Allen Price. I hope you have a wonderful week.
2: Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org baycurious or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck!